Good morning, Overlake. My name is Jess. I'm the worship pastor here. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship Jesus this morning. You guys ready?
to hear that he is not against you. He is not against you today. He is for you. He is for us. Jesus, you make a way out of every situation, Lord. You are near. You draw close to us, Father. And we are here to declare who you are, to sing your praises, Jesus. And as we praise you, the atmosphere is changed. Our lives are changed. Our perspective is changed. Confusion is, is sent out. The lie of the enemy is silenced. And we stand and we align our spirit with yours. Yes, Lord, have your way in this place. Can we worship God like we have never worshiped him before? Can you lose it just a little bit? Can you forget who is next to you? And just worship him. Let's just worship him. Jesus, we don't want anything but you. And we are here to declare over our lives your goodness and your truth in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask for healing. And we ask for answers. We ask for peace, God. The answer that is you, Jesus. The answer that is you, Lord. We just send out depression. It has to leave. In Jesus' name, we are set free. In Jesus' name, we are set free right now in this room. In Jesus' name, we trust you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah.
every hand raised and eyes closed before the Lord. Just let the Spirit speak to you. for his goodness, right? So good. He's so good. Amen. Wow. Well, friends, it is amazing to be with you and to praise the Lord with you. And it not it good to be reminded that even though the night holds on to us, that God is the one who's holding us. And he's the one who's carrying us. And he's the one who's never going to leave us or forsake us. Well, go ahead and grab a seat. And um, I just want to say hello. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. And it is a pleasure and an honor to be with you here at Overlake Christian Church. As you're getting seated, you might want to pull your connection card out and spend just a moment filling that out. And 
and I do want to actually make a, make a strong push on this. We actually use this card for care and connection and communication. And we've been communicating over the last couple of weeks really important stuff about uh, how things are going to be moving forward and how Overlake's going to be operating in the future and all this stuff. And I want to make sure you are getting the emails. We've sent out about 10,000 emails in the last two weeks. And it's so funny as people are still coming up to me and saying, hey, I'd never heard this. What's going on? I heard somebody say this. Hey, I'm trying to tell you directly what's going on, but you got to let me have your email. So go ahead and write that down. Uh, and not the AOL email from 15 years ago, but the one you use today. And uh, we would just love to be in communication and care with you. And then after you're done with that, grab your notes because we are finishing a series today on wholehearted. And we started a couple weeks ago. You might remember we talked about how showing up with your whole heart is what it is that we're invited to do. Last week, Pastor Neely talked about what wholehearted relationships can look like. And today, what I want to do is kind of finish our little series here talking about what wholehearted faith looks like. And I want to begin just where we've uh, sort of begun over these last three weeks with Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And this is sort of where everything kind of spills out of. But it says, keep your heart. Some of your translations might say guard your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. So it's, it's the wellspring of your life. And your life is actually directed by the way in which your heart flows. And so it's important to guard that. And we talked about how guarding your heart doesn't mean locking it away in a vault. It doesn't mean isolating your heart away from all relationships or anything like that. It simply means to keep or to tend or to steward or to lead your heart in a way that brings you to the place where you're the most healthy, you're the most whole, you're the one who is able to experience the fullness of life that Jesus is inviting us into. And so that's what we want to talk about. The word for this is the word wholehearted. And you can see on your notes that this means bringing all of your heart to bear in all of the situations of your life. That you show up with your whole heart with complete sincerity and commitment in whatever situation that God's bringing you into. And that's the journey that I want to challenge you to be on. And that's the journey I'm challenging myself to be on. And today, we want to talk about what that looks like when we approach our faith, our spiritual life. And so we're going to unpack a bunch of stuff, and, and I really want to encourage you to take notes today and take this and put it into practice in your life. This might begin by sounding like a bunch of spiritual disciplines, and for some of you, when you hear the phrase spiritual discipline, that sounds as exciting to you as root canal, so I get it. What I want to do is kind of unpack that a little bit. And here's, here's something that God brought to mind this week. You know, when I was 40 years old, I got braces on my teeth. And the reason why I got braces is because as an adult, my teeth were starting to crowd forward and oral health was becoming an issue. And so my buddy Matt, he, he put braces on me. Now, just so you know, Matt's an orthodontist, so he's not just like a mechanic. You know, he didn't just weld braces on in the garage. He, he knew what he was doing. Matt Bruner, great, great guy, great family, part of Overlake here. And so Matt put braces on. And he put braces on. By the way, just raise your hand if you've ever had braces. Anybody? Yeah, God bless you. I see that hand all over. So, you know, it's funny. Nobody ever told me about the drool, right? I felt like a basset hound. And uh, my, my youngest son, Doozy, he called them my bracelets. And, uh, and so I, 
I wore these bracelets and I, and I submitted to the discipline and the training that the braces brought to my teeth. And I did this full willing because I wanted what they would provide. I, I, I wanted the oral health. And I wanted, you know, the, the, the big, beautiful smile. Like, I, I wanted the fullness of oral life. <laughs> this is a stretch. That, that braces would produce. And, and so in the same way, I would tell you that as we talk about these things, we willingly submit ourselves to what it is that Jesus has for us so that we can experience the fullness of life that he is inviting us into. And so... If you're filling in the blanks today, the first challenge that I want to bring toward our wholehearted faith is that you reserve time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to be empowered by Him. We want to live empowered by Him, and so we need to reserve time, prioritize time for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer. And a couple weeks ago, I, I started by, by giving you a few mantras, and this is one of my mantras, and I call it everyday soul care. So for me, this is the deal, kind of, I want to live with this mantra that it's always going to be a priority for me. You can see Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So we want the word of Christ, the wisdom of Christ to dwell within us richly. Think for a moment about what plants need. Plants only need a few things to grow. They need sunlight. They need water. They need nourishment. And it turns out this is true for us as humans as well. That God is the one who provides the sunlight for us. That's his power in our lives. Then God is also the one who provides the living water for us. That's Jesus refreshing us with his presence. And then his spirit is providing the nourishment for us as well. But I want to tell you that we can choose to be nourished or we can choose to be malnourished by how much we lean in and press in to time with him, to being nourished by his word. Look at this verse from Philippians 2. This is maybe one of my favorite verses in all of scripture because here's what it says. When you read this verse, this is what it's clearly saying. We are not alone in our spiritual journey. Because look at what it says. It says, God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you. You're not alone in this. God's working in you, and as he works in you, he's actually changing your desire so that you want to do what's pleasing to him. You want to live righteous and whole and full. And then he says, and he's giving you the power. So not only do you want to live that life, he's empowering you to live that life. And if you think about what it, what it means to live righteously, it simply means to practice righteousness. And the Bible uses all kinds of words like walk, uh, imitate, that, that, we, um, that we would, that, that, like, like think about for a second as little kids imitate or practice or rehearse walking like their parents walk in order to learn how to walk on their own. That's kind of what we want to do spiritually. So that's the first thing. We've got to reserve time with God. And then the second fill-in here is just underneath it, and it needs to be daily. We need to have daily time with God. So not only does it need to be a priority, but it has to be a priority every single day. Every day we spend time with the Lord to examine and evaluate our own hearts, to be active in prayer. 
Uh, We don't want to return to these old habits or patterns that we've been living out of, going to our false saviors and medicating our pain, relying on relationships or behaviors to try to heal our hurt. Only Jesus can do those things. And so what we want to do is follow what Jesus says in Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so we want to make sure that we are watching and praying and that daily we come before him. Now, we've talked about this a couple of times, but over like I want to make sure that we keep going after this because I know we tend to fill our lives with so many things that we live busy and over busy. And so often as a pastor, what I hear when I talk to folks is I don't have time to make this a daily priority in my life. So let me just talk to you about the the times that you already have. You know, you already have certain times, like drive time, for example. When my kids were young teenagers before they got their driver's license, I was an unpaid Uber driver every day of my life. And I would drive them to orchestra or to sports practice or to youth group. And, and so all the way I was driving my kids, I would have conversation with them. I try to use that time relationally to build in relationship with them. But then when I dropped them and headed home, I tried to use that drive time as relational building with Jesus. Right? And you can do that. You already have time in your life. Just turn it into time with Jesus. For example, each one of us has time that we wake up in the morning, right? Every single one of us. And so often what we do is we hit the snooze. Or the alarm goes off and we say, good God, it's morning, right? Instead of, good morning, God. And begin to interact with him. Every one of us goes to bed at night and we all have a practice around how it is that we get ready and go to bed. And we could use that time as time with Jesus. So I just, I want to encourage you to think about the time that you already have and just turning that into a priority where you spend daily time with God. The next fill-in is the challenge to get quiet and listen. Get quiet and listen. The scripture says in Isaiah 1.10, listen to the Lord and hear what he is telling you. So we get with the Lord and we pray to the Lord and then we, we try to listen and we, we let him prompt us. Let him love us. I, I want you to experience his delight over you. And as he loves you, he will gently nudge you to love others or to do the right thing or to think in a certain way or to release a habit or an entitlement. So daily get quiet and listen. You know, in Psalm 139, David prayers a prayer. It's kind of a famous prayer at the end of Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God. I, I want you to see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to walk in your path. And, and I want you to understand that's a beautiful prayer. And I encourage every single one of us to pray that prayer. Search me, O God. See if there's anything offensive within me. But then, friends, understand that we've got to listen to God's answer. Right? We pray, search me, O God, and show me, but then we've got to listen so that he can show us and nudge us and guide us and lead us in the pathway that he wants us to go. I want to tell you that one of the sharpest tools in the tool shed for us spiritually is the tool of gratitude, and that's the next fill-in. The challenge is that we are grateful to the Lord, that you and I can be grateful to God. Psalm 107 verse 15 says, Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Could you circle the phrase wonderful things? For the wonderful things that he has done for you. See, this is another mantra of mine. The idea is everyday grateful. 
And God has done so much good in our lives. God has poured out so much of his wonderful things. He has blessed us so richly. You know, I would just encourage you, each one of you, look how far God has brought you. You know, I know we still have distances to cross when we look ahead. I know each one of us can see how far we still have to go. But please take a moment and look back and see how far God has brought you. And give him praise for that. And he has poured out so many blessings over our lives. I just want you to understand this, that when God gives you a blessing, we could ignore the nine beautiful things about his blessing and just focus on the one thing that isn't exactly perfect the way we want it to be. Do you know this, that there is no blessing so beautiful that we can't find a little something to complain about, right? That's just how we are as humans. This is a show of hands. I just have to know. How many of you have ever been to Disneyland? Anybody been to Disneyland? Okay, so so many of us. Happiest place on earth, right? Um, How many of you, when you were at Disneyland, how many of you saw a young child? Maybe it was your own child. Maybe it was another child. How many of you saw a young child have a total meltdown? Just throw a temper tantrum. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, we used to live down in Southern California. We had yearly passes there. I don't know how many times I've been to Disneyland, but every time I was at Disneyland, I saw a kid just absolutely lose it and just in tears and wailing. And I always wanted to go up to that kid and go, hey, buddy, listen, you cannot cry here. This is the happiest place on earth, pal. If you're crying at Disneyland, the rest of life is going to be really hard, you know. But isn't that the truth? Like, like we, there's no blessing so good that we can't find something to cry about. I, I was reading a study, and this came out a couple of years ago, about a, a study over a hundred different nations. And they were trying to conclude what was the happiest nation on the planet. And it turns out that the Danes are the happiest nation on planet Earth. Raise your hand if you're from Denmark. Anybody here from Denmark? No? No? They'd be the ones that would be smiling right now. <laughs> So, so in the article that I read, it gave a reason for why the Danes are the happiest nation. And the reason is, listen to this, low expectations. <laughs> yeah, low expectations, right. So in other words, if you live in Denmark and something non-horrible happens to you, you're pleasantly surprised, right? And, and I just want to tell you, friends, I hope you understand in the kingdom of God, there is a better way to go than just low expectations. And and the way to go is just practicing gratitude all the time. Just practicing gratitude for every day, for the breath that you breathe and the food that you eat and the fact that you can lay down and pull a blanket over you and you're not in the rain or whatever it is that that you want to praise God for. But there is stuff every day that we can be thankful to the Lord about, even in the hard times. Even in the things that you you are really dealing with, the challenges, you can praise the Lord that he is with you. And that he's not going to leave you and that he's carrying you through that time. So we can always find something to be grateful for. And then here's the corollary to that. Be thankful for your church. And Overlake, I'm talking about you. Be thankful for you, Overlake. You are a beautiful church. God is building and has built such a beautiful church right here. I want to be very clear. You are amazing, brothers and sisters. 
You are powerful saints. You're real and you're messy and you're complicated and you're generous and you're servant-hearted and you're authentic and over like you are on a great trajectory. I love inviting my friends to church here. I love how warm and friendly you are. I love how kind and selfless you are. I love how prayerful you are, how gracious you are as you and I seek to follow Jesus together. We are not perfect. We've never pretended to be perfect, but we are a great church and we are so thankful to what God has done here at Overlake Christian Church. And I want you to understand, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand for that. I want you to understand that being thankful for your church is actually biblical. Look what it says in Psalm 100 verse 4. It says, enter the temple gates with thanksgiving. Right? We enter his courts with praise. Let, let, me, let me do this in the modern Mike Howerton paraphrase, okay? You enter into OCC parking lot with thanksgiving and you enter the hallway with praise. You enter Kid Town with Thanksgiving and you enter Student Ministries with praise. You enter Central Cafe with Thanksgiving and into the Worship Center with praise, right? You practice this thankful heart daily with the Lord and you practice being thankful for the church that God has made you a part of. And I want to give you a very specific thing to be thankful for. I, you, many of you know I just got back from Katali, Kenya. I brought a cold with me. That's why I'm sounding a little gravelly today. But I got back from Katali, Kenya, visiting our Katali project there. And Overlake, this is a project that is absolutely amazing. You know that we have been, we have been working at, at trying to care for street kids since the year 2000. God broke my heart in the year 2000 on my first trip to Katali, and ever since then, we've been trying to care for street kids and to try to get them off the streets and into safe homes, into, into better situations. Well, over the last 15 months, our Katali project has been up and running. By the way, it's funded entirely by you, Overlake Christian Church. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. In 15 months, listen to this, 350 kids have been rescued off of the streets of Katali. 290 of them back into homes. It's amazing. It's a total victory. And here's the best part about it, and, you, and, and I wouldn't have known it had I not gone there, but there are other organizations all around Katali that are looking at the success of the Katali Project, and now they are starting to have the reintegration conversations in their own context, understanding that this is God's plan and God's best for these kids to be reintegrated back into caring and loving homes. So it's like that little yeast that makes its way through the whole loaf. Overlake, this is a change, I, I promise you, it's like we're on the front end of a paradigm that's gonna change all around the world. And, and it's because you, Overlake, you are a beautiful church. So can you thank God for what he's doing Doing through you and in you right now. It's amazing. All right, but it's not all self-congratulations. Let's go to the next fill-in. The next fill-in is the challenge to lean into your own sanctification. Lean into your own sanctification. And I want to define sanctification because it's a big theological word, and here's what it means. Sanctification just means the lifelong process of becoming like Jesus. That's what it means, the lifelong process of becoming like Jesus. Several years ago, I had a running buddy named Doug, and Doug and I would go running all the time on these trails that went back behind these homes, and, and there was a large home that was being built, and, and we would just kind of notice and remark on the, the building progress over the space of years, and, 
And, and, and it, was, it was a beautiful estate, and, and it seemed like they, they did the framing first, but then they kind of stopped and just left it for a while. And then it seems like they would begin the landscape, but then they would just leave it. Then the siding would go up, but they would never finish it. Finally, the roof went up, but then they built like a whole other hall and wing. And I mean, it was just kind of crazy how the thing was being built. And, and one day we're, dry, we're running by it, and, and my buddy Doug, he starts calling it the sanctification house. And I said, well, why do you call it the sanctification house? And he said, well, you can tell they have a beautiful blueprint. He says, you can tell it's going to be magnificent when it's done, but it probably won't be finished in our lifetime. And I want you to understand that that's true for you. There is a beautiful blueprint that God has written. He's already architected something absolutely beautiful. And you, myself, we are going to be magnificent when we're through. But it's probably not going to happen in the course of our lifetime. It's something that we lean into, that we press into, that we work with Jesus on becoming more and more like him. And I'll read you this quote from C.S. Lewis. It fits perfectly. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew these jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably. It does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Isn't that beautiful? And that's sanctification. And it's a powerful truth, and I hope it's encouraging to you today. And you might want to write this down. God is not finished with me yet. God is still at work in my life. God is still converting my character into the character of Christ. And this is something that we can lean into and press into and participate with God about. Hebrews 12.1 says, As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us, so let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way. And the sin which holds on to us so tightly and let us run with determination the race that lies before us. See, friends, that verse is a part of us leaning into our sanctification. Getting rid of the stuff that trips us up and running hard after Jesus in the direction that he wants us to go. And a big part of this is the challenge of self-feeding. The challenge of self-feeding. Philippians 1.9 says... I pray that your love will overflow more and more, over like we talk about that a lot, and that you will keep on growing. Could you circle that phrase? That you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. You see, we're never going to grow in our knowledge and understanding as followers of Jesus Christ until we learn how to feed ourselves. You know, you show up on Sunday morning and you participate here in worship and we open the word and, and this is like one meal a week for you, one spiritual meal. And, and for those of you who come and you receive that meal, it's a good thing, but, but then you go home, you've got to eat during the course of the week. You can't just starve yourself all week long and then come here and hope that this will satisfy all of your nutritional nourishment needs, right? That's just not a possibility. You can't show up famished and expect that this one hour will do it for you. You've got to learn how to feed yourself all along the way. I want you to think for a moment about how a baby bird gets fed, OK? 
okay? The mama bird comes and feeds the baby bird. And it's not just once a week and it's not just once a day, but if you've ever had a nest around where you could watch, the mama bird comes again and again and again and feeds the baby bird again and again and again. And how does the mommy bird feed it? You probably already know this. The, 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 the mother robin, say, goes and finds a worm and eats it, consumes it, right? And then comes back to the nest and then opens her beak and kind of regurgitates it. And the baby bird just pulls it right out of her throat. You know, it's, it's, it's perfect for those of you who are so lazy, you don't want to chew your food, right? That's exactly how it works. And, and so I, I want you to think in this situation, God never designed me to be like Pastor Papa Bird right? Like, I, I'm not the one who goes, and all week long, I, I feed up on different spiritual truths, and then I come, and I just regurgitate a little, and you just kind of take it, already chewed, and then that's going to satisfy you. That's not how it works. We've got to make sure that we're feeding ourselves day in and day out, that we're kind of grazing all day, every day, because, friends, physically and spiritually, God is growing us from being babies into adulthood, from being helpless to being strong, from being bottle-fed to being self-fed, from requiring care to offering care to others. You see, that's the whole point, that when we get into this place of spiritual maturity, it's not just that we receive help and care from the Lord, but now we're able to offer it to one another. Jesus is the one who sets us the model, but he says, as I've set the model for you, now you take this and go do it to one another. And that's what he says when he, in John 13, when he's, when he's washing the disciples' feet. He says, since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And so practically, I just want to give you a couple of ideas about how to do this. The first, I want to challenge you to be involved in our Celebrate Recovery or our care ministries. And, and the challenge here is because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you allow God to transform your life, and then you hear and share the stories of those transformation so that it can impact other life change. By the way, this Tuesday night, Celebrate Recovery is celebrating a 13th anniversary of existing here at Overlake Christian Church. It's an amazing victory, yeah. I'm telling you, hundreds and hundreds of life change stories through the years. It's just amazing to see what God has done there. And we love Celebrate Recovery at Overlake Christian Church. I, I want you to know this really clearly. It's not only for those struggling with substance or alcohol. It is so appropriate for anyone who struggles with anything. Because we all struggle with something. And Pastor Drew has said this since the first time, uh, you know, I've interacted with him on this. He says that Celebrate Recovery is a sanctification tool that every single one of us can benefit from. So we're all on the process of sanctification, and this is just a powerful tool. But it allows us to share our experiences and our victories and, and to share kind of personally, this is how God met me, and this is how he changed my life, and this is how he can change yours. I want to read you this verse from 2 Corinthians 1. And this could be the theme verse for Celebrate Recovery. It says this. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merciful Father, the God from whom all help comes. He helps us in all our troubles so that we are able to help those who have all kinds of troubles using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. 
So it's such a beautiful picture that we allow God to invade our lives and transform us. And then we allow him to use our life transformation in order to change other people's lives. It's a beautiful, beautiful model. It leads me to the next feeling, which is a challenge to be an accountability partner. To be an accountability partner. Friends, we all need accountability. We all need support and encouragement and help. And know this, that if a friend asks you to be their accountability partner, you are ready. You're ready for that. You can say yes. You can help a friend walk toward wholeness and receive their help and encouragement as you walk toward wholeness as well. But here's what you can't do. You can't just kind of look around and pick somebody and say, hey, you look like you need accountability. I can do that for you, right? That's not how it works. I, I want you to understand it's born out of a relationship. And it's born out of a relationship that has trust. Where there can be some mutual vulnerability, some mutual transparency. And that's where the strength happens. You know, if you think about a redwood tree for a moment. Redwood trees actually link their roots together. As they grow, redwood trees link their roots together. Which is why they are so stable as a foundation and able to grow so tall. And I'm telling you, accountability does that for your life. As you link your roots with someone else who you trust, someone who's encouragement for you, who can speak truth and love into your life, you will grow, right? You'll see growth happen like that redwood tree. The next challenge is the challenge to invest in a younger life. And this could be through our children's ministries in Kidtown. It could be through our student ministries as a leader or mentor. Uh, maybe it's just you find someone who's 10 years younger than you in your same workspace. Somebody who's on the same kind of pathway as you are. And you have some wisdom and availability that you can offer to them. You know, I've shared before about this. But many years ago, Pastor Scott Dudley, he's the lead pastor over at Bellevue Presbyterian. He reached out to me and offered to buy me coffee and He's, a, he's roughly 10 years older than I am, and he's wise and kind and successful and fun. And, and so I started hanging out with him, and over the last, I think it's been a decade now, it, it has been so encouraging to have somebody like Scott invest in my life. It's, it's actually just been so, so much of a blessing from God. And so in this season of my life, I'm trying to do that for other younger pastors. I'm trying to do that for other younger leaders because I feel like God's brought me on a road and now I want to encourage others on theirs. So the, the question is, who can you invest in? Who is it that's younger than you that you can reach out to, that you can, you know, you've been on this journey with Jesus. So who can you help on their journey? This brings me to the last fill-in. And it's, to me, this is a kind of a fun feeling. It's the challenge to destroy your comfort zone. Just destroy your comfort. Just absolutely blow it up. This is where we're talking kind of Green Beret action right here. By the way, this is Veterans Day, right? This is Veterans Day weekend, and, and so we celebrate veterans, and I know there are many here who have served uh, their country and, and have served and sacrificed so that we can have the freedoms that we enjoy. Can we just thank our veterans among us today? We are so thankful for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. My dad is a veteran of two wars. He was in Vietnam when I was born, and he was in Desert Storm right before he retired. And I know that he is excited about this point right here. So don't miss it. He would say, go Green Beret for Jesus. Right? This is where you just get absolutely nutty for Jesus. Where you sort of recognize that comfort zones are fun to be in because they're comfortable. 
And we like comfort, and that's why we sort of hang out in those comfort zones, and we kind of camp out there. But friends, uh, God did not make you just to be a camper. God made you to be a climber. And the difference between a comfort zone and a growth zone is this. And I actually have a quote for you. And the quote is, there is no growth in your comfort zone. And there is no comfort in your growth zone. It's not a Venn diagram and there is no happy medium. So friends, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to lean into your own sanctification, if you want the the word of Christ to dwell richly within you, then we've got to blow up our comfort zone so that we can be in the growth zone. And it will involve us stretching, and it will involve us getting into places that are uncomfortable. It'll involve us serving in ways that maybe we haven't even thought about serving before. But friends, that is where the growth happens. And I just want to say this clearly, that's where life happens. See, the invitation that Jesus invites us into is full life, abundant life, rich life, and whole life. And that's what I want you to experience, and that's what I want to go after myself. So I want to close with this verse from Jeremiah 29, 13. This is the Lord speaking. He says, if you look for me wholeheartedly. Can you circle that word? If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Full life. We get to find the Lord. We get to be with the Lord. We get to experience his presence and his pleasure over us. And we get to live this abundant and rich life that he invites us into. You know, I know many of you here have been serving the Lord for a long time. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for years and years, decades. Maybe for you, the main lesson this morning is this. That you need to rest in what you already know. You just need to practice well what you already know. Maybe today... We haven't covered anything new for you. That's fine. I I just want you to understand that when it comes to our spiritual growth, there is no magic pill. When it comes to our spiritual growth, there's no like hidden trick that'll just vault you to the next level. It's just the stuff that you already know. It's the stuff that we've already covered. But it's coming at it with a whole heart. And the model that we have for this, friends, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus loved the Father with his whole heart. And Jesus loves you with his whole heart. And it was his whole heart that caused him to leave the Father's side and to come to be born in poverty. It was his whole heart that caused him to live this life of healing, this ministry of encouragement and hope and the kingdom. It was his whole heart that led him to the cross at Calvary. It was his whole heart that caused him to pray, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus was motivated all the way to the tomb and beyond by his whole heart. And friends, he is the model that we follow. And so we show up in all of the situations and circumstances in our life with our whole heart, bringing our sincerity and our commitment into every situation that God brings us to. It's because of Jesus. And so as we close our time today, you'll notice that there are some communion tables in the front, in the middle, and at the back. And as we come to the table today, what I want to encourage you to do is this. As you grab the bread and you grab the cup, as you spend some time with Jesus, I want to encourage you that you would say to Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me with your whole heart. Thank you for loving the Father with with your whole heart. Thank you for being motivated by your whole heart. 
And then I would encourage you to say this prayer to Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you with my whole heart. Would you stand with me right now? And when you feel ready, just go ahead and make your way to the tables. Let's take communion together. just be with Jesus.
sing that together. grab a seat for just a moment as we continue to worship with the giving of our gifts, our tithes, and offerings. I want to invite you to uh, grab that connection card, finish filling that out, uh, and we'd love to continue praying with you about any prayer requests you have, any updated information, please make sure you include that on there. Um, also, inside your handout, I want to make sure you notice that there's a, a, a monthly financial update that shows some encouraging signs. We're moving in the right direction, and in terms of eliminating the shortfall, we're seeing good things happen here. And, and uh, um, with your continued uh, generous, wholehearted giving through the end of this year, we're totally confident in the Lord and in this church family that all of our ministries and mission efforts will be fully funded. So let's keep after it over, like let's keep going, and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll just continue to see God doing good things through our church in this community and around the world. Um, as our ushers are coming now, I want to introduce Heidi Ellis, uh, who is a longtime OCC or she and her husband Phil are good friends of ours and have lived out the kind of wholehearted living that we're talking about in this series. And, uh, and that has challenged us and encouraged a lot of us who know, who know them. Um, they've been given, uh, they've given their lives, they faithfully served in a number of ministries. So as the uh, buckets are being passed, um, Heidi's going to briefly share her story about what's behind her commitment to this wholehearted faith and wholehearted living thing. Good morning, Overlake. It's so great to be with you today. Pastor Mike, thank you so much for speaking to us about wholeheartedness. Um, as Josh said, my name is Heidi Ellis, and I've been at Overlake for about 12 years. Um, I'd love to share a little bit about what wholehearted living looks like in my life and in my family. Um, I grew up in the church and studying the Bible and hearing the greatest commandment to love the Lord with all your heart and to love your neighbor. In 2010, I took perspectives. Um, I uh, sorry, we took perspectives on the World Christian Movement and it totally transformed my walk with Christ. Perspectives is a 15 week course with a different instructor each week. You learn about God's heart for the world, for all people, and how he is inviting you to participate in his story. Overlake will be hosting this class starting in January. While I had been following Jesus up to this point, this course taught me so much more about what walking with Jesus actually looks like and about the whys of following Jesus. God has written a beautiful love story to all people. The story doesn't end at Revelation. He is still writing a story and inviting us to participate. What does that look like for you? In this season, my husband and I are parish pastors, life group leaders, and foster parents. We recognize that these are roles God has called us to, but they are part of a bigger purpose. God is using these roles to bring his kingdom to earth the way he asks in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is using these roles to show others his heart and character. Following Jesus is not about obligation. It is a joy and an adventure and a privilege. When Pastor Lynn asked if I could um, coordinate perspectives course this at Overlake this year, I said, absolutely. 
I'm excited to give others the opportunity to literally have their perspectives changed. We are hosting it beginning in January on Wednesday nights. Um, taking this class was such a rich time in my faith journey, and I've heard similar stories from other alumni. I really believe that the biblical truths and stories taught in this course can transform hearts and lives and even whole churches. If you are interested or have any questions, I encourage you to stop by the Serve the World counter, check out the website, or send me an email. I'm hoping to help others find their wholehearted selves in God's story. So good. Thank you so much, Heidi. Well, I want to send us off with a blessing, but before I do, I want to mention that if you need prayer, we would definitely love to pray with you before you go. Uh, we've made a slight change to where the prayer uh, space is located. It used to be up on the, on the second floor. It's now on the first floor, just right below where it used to be in the, in the lobby area. So if you need prayer today, uh, exit on the first floor, look to your left, you'll see it just beyond the Connection Center there. And we would definitely love to take anything that's heavy on your heart to Jesus with you. So we've got an amazing prayer team. Um, stop by if, if there's anything we can lift up to the Lord with you. Uh, why, don't you why don't you stand together? Uh, I want to send us off with a, a benediction that's found in the book of Jude, which speaks to the outcome, uh, the, the, the result of a wholehearted faith. Would you bow your heads and receive these words? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.